0: And key is an ancient healing method about really bringing the body into balance. And balance stems from both our internal processes um, of of the body, but also external factors. So it can be anything from your lifestyle habits to our environment. So when we ever have any kind of chronic health issues, disease, it's a result of the imbalance of key
1: you're listening to the well woman podcast i'm your host gemily women's menstrual cycle educator natural fertility coach and daytime mermaid this is a place where we discuss all things periods poo ovulation fertility and sex join me weekly as we rediscover our menstrual cycles unlock its superpowers and guide you back into your cyclical nature you are tuning in to the Well Woman podcast. This is episode 190 and we're chatting all about Korean herbalism for your menstrual cycle with the amazing Grace Yun. You see, Grace is a herbalist, a certified health coach, the founder of Key Alchemy, which is a Korean herbal wellness line bridging ancient Korean medicinal wisdom to the modern world. As a Korean American herself, she combines her knowledge of Korean herbalism, nutrition science, and plant-based products for those seeking connection between ancient medicinal knowledge and modern life. And boy, are you going to get a taste for that in this episode. Not to mention, Grace has a beautiful story to share with us that literally gives me chills. So enjoy that one. In this episode together, we talk about what is Korean herbalism, what is Korean herbalism in reference versus Western herbalism, Korean medicinal principles, Korean herbalism approach to overall health, and of course, herbs to support menstrual cycle health, fertility, and postpartum healing. You are in for a beautiful treat with Grace. Grace, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Gemma, for having me. You are very welcome. You are just such a beautiful person and genius in a particular topic that we're going to be talking about today, Korean herbalism, and I can't wait to dive in. So before we do that, though, tell us, as we just mentioned before we hit record, what is your cycle day today and how are you checking in? How are you feeling in this moment? Yeah, so my
0: cycle always happens in on the 24th or most of the time. So it's in a week. And um, lately I've been feeling a little emotional, a bit hormonal. So um,
1: yeah, it's, it's coming soon.
0: <laughs> I can feel it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love women can always sense when there's a big shift or a change going on. And this is that change of like, okay, we've been producing hormones this whole time. And now we're like, and we're winding down. <laughs> Yeah, totally. Like a friend, she handed me a
0: Clementine um, this afternoon and it just triggered all these memories of uh, moments that I um, gave like an ex-boyfriend Clementines. So anyway, I was like, okay, maybe it's the hormones also (laughs) affecting all of this
1: Oh, well, you're here and thank you for dedicating the time pre-menstrual to be here to share all about your beautiful (laughs) wisdom on Korean herbalism. So let's jump into the topic. Explain to us, like, how did you get into Korean herbalism? For those who can't see you, you are Korean, right? So that's definitely a clue into it. But how did you gain this passion for Korean herbalism and why is it so important that we know about Korean herbalism? How did you get into this space?
0: Yeah, so um, I'm Korean American. I was born and raised in Dallas, Texas, and I had the privilege to be taught to embrace both cultures. Um, and my journey into herbalism started with... Um, with my ancestral roots being Korean. um, My paternal grandmother was a farmer in Paju, South Korea. She was very productive. She raised six kids on her own. She was a midwife also to the local village and she managed a commercial farm. Um, And so very active in her local community and uh, very, you, you know, she was like a true matriarch. And my maternal grandmother, on the other hand, um, she was married to a, a general post-Korean war and um, she was just very, you know, she was a housewife and very maternal too, but a different type type of uh, maternal kind of wisdom. And um, Shortly after like I think my mom was around 18 19 years old her father passed away so my grandmother suddenly became a widow and and then she got into a major car accident which she became partially paralyzed on the left side of her body and it was through the power of acupuncture and herbal medicine that she was able to regain her strength and movement. And from then on, she committed her life to Eastern medicine and studied to become an acupuncturist and a healer. So um, (laughs) yeah, so growing up, um, when my parents immigrated to the States, I had the privilege to live with both my grandmothers, um, especially my paternal grandmother, who was a farmer, and she really longed, missed her, her farm in South Korea. So she found actually an le- empty landmine, landfill, like in the middle of Texas and started picking up all the trash and pulling out all the weeds and created this beautiful community garden for all the Korean grandmothers to harvest and to like farm and harvest and grow their own herbs and vegetables and- wow was <laughs> <So>
1: like <laughs> yeah. can I be in your family <laughs> this sounds spectacular I have chills this is magical okay keep going sorry thank you um so looking
0: back you know it those were like the, the best times of my life my childhood just and and my grandmother, she put us to work. She, you know, made us harvest all the perilla leaves and and the squash, zucchinis, and the Korean melons. And we would sell these um, herbs and vegetables to the local markets. Um, and so it was some of the most uh, precious times of, of my childhood. And so, yeah, basically that was like the journey kind of to Korean herbalism and about three years ago I was in Korea walking through an herbal market and it just dawned on me like why isn't this as accessible in America? Um, in America we're going through a healthcare crisis, a food crisis, um, our obesity rate is just really extremely high and also education on like just lifestyle, healthy lifestyle. I feel like Australia is very forward with that. Even Korea, we talk about stress all the time and preventative health. We have a 24-hour TV station just educating citizens about how to cook healthy, longevity, what exercises and sleep patterns you should have to remain healthy. But here in America, I just feel like we are so, so misinformed. Uh, and so that's why I felt like my mission was to kind of shift the conversation to um, kind of introduce people more towards like, okay, there's more than TCM, Asia's such a huge you know, continent mm. and different area, parts of Asia too is so unique. Um, our cultures are so unique. Um And so that's why I, I feel like, you know our ancestors foraged plants and made natural medicines to prevent and cure disease. But now we live in a world where it's so sedentary, too convenient, and we are consuming so many preservative f- foods. So this is really ruining our health and longevity. So uh, my intention is to just share ancient Korean medicinal wisdom that was passed on to me through my grandmothers and through my ancestors and heritage, um,
1: because I really think we're all from a garden. Wow, what a way to end a beautiful story. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like, this is the most magical experience and story. I for the listeners who know me I'm right into like growing my own food and making things from scratch and you know maybe you don't know yourself but you know I studied ancestral health and from a health background you know for many years I love how things all came to be and I studied Ayurveda and I'm just like right into this so this is like my jam I'm loving it and such (laughs) such a special story that you just shared you know this isn't just something that you were driven to because you had a passion for it like this has been a part of your life for your whole life and a part of your you know your full ancestry so this is really special and I'm sure everyone who's listening to this can feel just how special this is because I'm right on like on it with you when when you say that you know we all come from a garden and I always Mm like love to say grace that we live on the earth but we are actually of the earth Mm -hmm. and everything of the earth is us and (laughs) we do have a huge health crisis around the world and certain countries do have more are in more of a crisis than others for certain areas and reasons. Um, yes. Australia might not be too far behind America though. You know, we do have a big health movement here and I know there's a big health movement in the States, but I think everyone's really responsible for their health status, but they don't realize that it's their responsibility and the things that we put in and on our body are a direct reflection of our health. So Mm -hmm. I love that, you know, this is you here bringing beautiful Eastern wisdom to, you know, us, all of us to help us really encompass healthier lives and healthier bodies and everything. So I'd love to start by asking you Eastern and Western culture. You have had the best experience in this your whole life growing up in America, you know, coming from Eastern background how does the Eastern and Western health kind of merge and get things right together? And how do they like, are they can just completely different? Cause there's a lot of people who don't know the differences between them and they just think health is just health. Right. But Eastern health, Western health are very, very different. So before I ask you about the herbalism between the two, let's talk about just the general health between the two. What's the foundation of Eastern and then the foundation of Western and how do they mend together and how don't they mend together? Yeah, for sure. So I think that was like four questions in one. I apologize. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, Well, I'll try to answer all the questions that you asked. um, And hopefully I don't like confuse anyone, but um, to put it simply, you know, Eastern uh, medicine or traditional Eastern medicine is based on our spiritual philosophies as well. So I'm sure most people know Buddhism, Confucianism and Taoism um, and Eastern medicine is uh, kind of founded on Taoism um, and that that's kind of like the foundation of traditional Chinese medicine mm. uh, TCM is practiced in different ways in different countries of Asia so uh, there's you know, kind of the Japanese eastern medicine way and then Koreans we kind of mix in not only Daoist philosophy but also Buddhism and Confucianism and we emphasize a lot on confucian philosophy and the concept of qi or chi so similar to herb and herb it's pronounced differently throughout mm-hmm. asia so in Korea, we pronounce it as key. And key is an ancient healing method about really bringing the body into balance. And balance stems from both our internal processes um, of, our, of the body, but also external factors. So it can be anything from your lifestyle habits to our environment. So when we Ever have any kind of chronic health issues, disease, it's a result of the imbalance of key. And in order to avoid that imbalance, um, you know, Eastern medicine really f- focuses on preventative health as a first line of defense. So uh, Korea in particular, we talk about stress all the time, and it's taken very seriously. Um, And so whenever we have any kind of indigestion or any kind of pain or muscle pains or aches, um, we really try to implement healing herbs and acupuncture, first acupuncture and and then the herbs. Herbs are kind of like the last step that you take, or any kind of like medication, mm-hmm. because we really want to emphasize and make sure that we're eating the right foods, because food and medicine are complementary in in Eastern kind of uh, medicine. So beautiful. So yeah, and traditional Korean medicine really considers our hu- human body as our own like miniature universe. And we really emphasize on the hands and the ears. Um, Our hands are kind of like the constitution of our entire body. So for example, the top of your middle finger, if you have headaches, you kind of put pressure on the top of your middle finger. Uh, Stomach aches is usually like the middle of your palm. Um, And so uh, am I on the right track with like all the questions? I don't know but I'm loving it. I'm just I'm just
1: like I'm just fascinated. Like so many elements of health fascinate me. And you know, I always think of when I studied ancestral health and they always said that the heel of your foot, your heel heals you and the sole of your foot connects you with your soul. And I just love when you just said, you know, how your hand, how Korean medicine focuses on your hand and your ears and mm-hmm. uh, everything you can see on the outside is a direct reflection on the inside so that makes perfect sense and i'm just loving everything you're sharing so continue <laughs>
0: yeah and i would love to kind of read this text from Tongi Bogam, which oh, is kind of yeah so it um hojun was kind of the godfather of uh traditional korean medicine and uh he wrote this text for uh kind of his, his way of um, teaching. He was uh, one of the royal physicians during the Joseon dynasty. Um, and so this is a translated version, but he says that mankind is the most precious of all living things in the universe. The round head resembles heaven. The flat foot resembles earth. Man has four limbs as the universe has four seasons. Man has five vis- viscera, As the universe has five phases, man has six spells, as the universe has six extremes, man has eight joints, as the universe has eight winds, man has nine orifices, as the universe has nine stars, and man has 12 meridians, as the universe has 12 hours. So, um, you know, basically, he's saying that, you know, (laughs) our entire body is basically uh, you know part of the the universe and and that's what essentially key is too we're all interconnected and kind of this kind of web right mm-hmm. <laughs> so that is going
1: so, so beautiful
0: oh thank you thank
1: you well it's not my what I wrote <laughs> was, no but thank you for but, sharing it like you brought it to life here for us to discuss and everyone listening so yeah you brought it to life so thank you for sharing
0: you're welcome yeah so going back to the three spiritual philosophies buddhism confucianism and taoism buddhism really focuses on how we can be better with our lives in order to achieve enlightenment right and uh, achieve that state of nirvana and it's truly about how to live with yourself Taoism uh, is based on the question of how we can become aligned with nature and the cosmos. So how we can live with nature. And Confucianism is based on how we can improve ourselves academically to bring peace and order to the world. And it's truly about how to live in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, So it really teaches, Confucian philosophy really teaches us how the mind and the body are really interconnected. Um, and that has played an important role in Korean heritage.
1: Wow. I'm just like, <laughs> fascinated. I'm just so fascinated. It's just, there's so much that we can learn in the Western world from Eastern practices and the Eastern way of living and the Eastern way of caring for our bodies that I think that the, and you would, I'm sure you would feel this way too, about living in the West is that. The more we can adapt and bring in these practices into our daily life, the more we can rebalance our body and a lot of Western practice that, you know, sometimes is great, but also heals like more of the traumatic stuff. And there's more of like a trauma approach or a, yeah. um, an instant approach and an instant fix, as opposed to like a re, total rebalance is that a lot of us who have a health imbalance, whatever that may be have focused so much on the Western approach that we've even forgotten there's other approaches out there. Totally. Mm. And,
0: you know, everybody has their own kind of balance, right? And it's, it's very individualistic. So really listening to your body, um, and also kind of like your inner spirit and mind is, is just so, so important. And, um, whenever you have these kind of like muscle tensions or headaches or your body gives you these signs, right?
1: <laughs> and mm-hmm. so
0: all checking in is just so important. And so, you know, we, we kind of talk about the yin and yang energetics. Um, do you know anything about the yin and yang? Energetics?
1: Yes, I do. I do. I, personally, I do. But for those who are listening who might not know anything about the yin and yang, um, maybe a little explanation would be fantastic. Um, yeah. Um, I actually wrote a poem about yin and yang. Ooh, please! Sh-
0: <laughs> I'm loving all
1: of these shares. Please share.
0: Well, um, actually I recently got a book deal and so I'm just writing all of my knowledge. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And so um, this poem is called Yin, Yang, Ancestral Twine. Yin, a mysterious darkness of feminine energy like the moon's soft reflection on a river. Yang, illuminating light of masculine energy like the sun's clarity in exposing the mountains. Today, a brand new moon. Tomorrow, a brand new sun. The lightness of a dandelion is Yin. The heaviness of a stone is Yang take my hand and feel the earthly soil of yin, lift my arms and reach the heavenly clouds of yang, inside and down when traditions and ancestry fades, outside and up as culture and tribes revive, ancestral twine, accepting and surrendering what is to come, yin. Willing to take a chance to fulfill our heart's desire, Yang. Peace is yin, hope is yang.
1: So even more So beautiful. <laughs> I'm mesmerized in this podcast episode. Um, <laughs> thank you for sharing, Grace. That's really beautiful.
0: And I feel like it's a good description of what yin and yang is. They, they are polar opposites, yet complementary. And mm. y- it's this kind of- um constant balance that we have that yin and yang internal balance that helps kind of align our key
1: Mm, it's like the perfect harmonious dance you know you can't have two leaders you need to have like a an allower and a leader um that's so beautiful I'm interrupting this episode to let you know that today is sponsored by my five day Love Your Cycle mini course, a simplified self paced course to teach you the foundations and fundamentals of your menstrual cycle in under a week. Receive daily educational class videos and audios, along with action steps, cycle tracking guides, cycle prompts, and my Love Your Cycle 50 page ebook. This is your chance to discover everything you wish you had have been taught at school about your cycle, how to eat, how to move, honoring your emotions and identifying PMS and your cycle signs before they arise. It's now your turn to join over thousands of women from all over the world who have taken this course to reclaim and reconnect with their bodies. And you can do this in under a week for less than a fancy vegan burger. Use the code Love to save 20% off at Wellsome.com forward slash shop. So let's dive into the herbalism, like a lot of people have heard of traditional Chinese medicine, as you mentioned earlier, Um, but what is really special about Korean herbalism as opposed to Western herbalism? Like, What are the differences?
0: Yeah. Um, Okay. So I would say our geographical landscape is the biggest difference, right? We are a small peninsula. um, And if you look on the map, Korea's Right in in between Japan and Korea, uh, and China, and um, because of our geography, we um you know we're surrounded by the sea, but we uh, I believe it's sixty or sixty five percent of our geography is mountain. So, um, with Korean herbalism, it it has a very very long, and ancestry, Um, whereas Western herbalism, and I'm not sure about Australia in particular, but in the US, America, uh, the herbalism is, America's such a young country. And um, so when it was colonized, you know, most of the native Americans, they were the ones to practice and introduce herbalism, but, Unfortunately a lot of them kind of uh, became extinct so uh, that those types of herbal traditions weren't passed on for that long. Um, but in the East it was you know Korea's um, inf- cultural influence from China and Japan kind of um, kind of created Koreans emergence of herbalism. um, And it's through, honestly, it was through famine, you know, (laughs) Korea, um, you know, we have gone through many, many wars. Uh, China has colonized us at one point, Japan has too. And so in order to survive, you know, herbalism played such a huge part in that, just going into the mountains, foraging, um, and so that that, I would say, is the the biggest difference is the history and uh, geography, the geographical landscape.
1: Mm. So it's so fascinating. I love that you mentioned about like the colonization in America. Australia is also a very young country. Mm. And you know, if you think we're only a couple of you know a couple hundred years old, <clears throat> and I just yeah. spent three months traveling around the top end of Australia seeing a lot of indigenous culture. And we're very fortunate we still have a lot of Indigenous culture still in Australia, but it's lacking a lot because of the shunning of the Indigenous culture that has been so present in our our country anyway. And um, the Indigenous culture here is that there are so many, we call them bush foods and, you know, bush Mm -hmm. herbs, and it's just... Something I would love to learn about, there is so much that's, that's out there, um, you know, and we just walk straight past it on our, on our hike, or, you know, that we don't even know that that's yeah. what it is. Um, and yeah. I think there's a lot of opportunity, a lot of opportunity to learn more more about it. I usually
0: say when there's a weed, there's a way to make like nutritious medicine or herbal teas. Mm. Um, for example, dandelion, I mean, there's so much here. Um, and people don't know how you can just make nutritious dandelion tea. That's so great for um, your horm- hormones and um, yeah, your estrogen
1: levels. There's so there's so much opportunity for everybody, isn't there? <laughs> like so much opportunity. Totally. <laughs> Um, so tell us a little bit about how can Korean herbalism support the menstrual cycle? So are there any specific herbs that you would recommend? Um, what's the Korean herbalism approach to a balanced cycle?
0: Yeah. So, you know, we have this philosophy called, um, which is kind of like food is medicine and the five elements, um, do you know the five elements of, of foods that, that is, you know, based on TCM kind Mm -hmm. of practice as well, but uh, Koreans practice that as well with our cuisine and the herbs and, you know, have you tried
1: Korean food before? I actually haven't tried a lot of Korean food before. I um, am personally, I don't eat a lot of meat myself and, I've been gluten-free, dairy-free for a long time. And I find in Australia anyway, the um, certain restaurants that offer Asian food can be very challenging for me to eat at. So that's one of the reasons why I haven't really tried Korean food before.
0: Try, try to find a Korean vegetarian restaurant. You will love this, this traditional dish that's so colorful and so herbaceous. Um, it's called pibimbap. And it's a variety of just kind of like herbs uh, over a bed of rice. And then you get like hot red pepper paste um, to kind of like spice it. Uh, and you just kind of like combine all of, all of the dish, uh, the herbs. And it's it's just so delicious. <laughs> oh, <it> sounds delicious. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So, you know, for... For women, um, so what's interesting in Korean culture is that, let, let's talk about postpartum, <laughs> because I I feel like, so Korea has universal healthcare, uh, they have affordable healthcare as well, where acupuncture is literally like $20. Um, and I, I don't, I don't know how much that <laughs> is in a Australian parents.
1: It's about it's about the same. About the same. Okay. Maybe maybe
0: maybe twenty five thirty. Okay, got it. Um, but yeah. So once a woman gives birth, they are they usually go to a postpartum care center, and usually, uh, you stay in these postpartum care centers with a nurse. They have a whole staff, like a doula. Um, and you are there uh, with, with this team to help nourish the, the new mother because the whole philosophy is that when a new mother is fully recovered, nourished, and healthy, she'll raise a healthy child. Um, and so one of the um, essential dishes that they um, nourish the mother with is seaweed soup. So seaweed has the same amount of, um, what is it? The mineral content of, uh, breast milk. So it helps, um, with nourishing the mom when, um, she's breastfeeding too. So you're constantly like literally at least for 30 days, you're just consuming seaweed soup with like rice and like, (laughs)
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: So, uh, it's. Yeah, so with that helps um, with producing good um, uh, mineral-based breast milk. So that is something that we really consume um, regularly for postpartum. Um, Mugwort is a really great um, nutritious herb too. And you can steam that, you can also make uh, a bath a bath soak with mugwort. Um, it's really just good for detoxifying. It helps with blood circulation. Um, another, you know, f- fermented foods. We have a lot of fermented dishes such as kimchi. Do you, mm-hmm. Have you tried kimchi before? Yes, I, actually, I make my own. Oh, wow. With what kind of, what's your base?
1: So generally, I use a daikon. Okay, daikon, which, yeah, which, we, which is like daikon. um oh, for people listening, it's kind of like it looks radish. like a white. Yeah, it's it's like a, a a radish, but it looks bigger, like a white carrot. <laughs> yes, yes, it's, it's and it's like that. thick. Yeah, it's very yeah, thick, very round. It's kind of like a white cucumber, but bit bigger and so I use that (laughs) (laughs) is this a good description Um, I use that cabbage carrot and then I'll pop in like chilies from my garden Um, sometimes I pop in the stems of the um, cilantro or we call it um, coriander here so Uh I'll chop up the stems so I don't waste the stems and I'll pop that in Um, but that's kind of like my base that's
0: amazing and I was actually going to mention daikon. So you already mentioned daikon is just so nutritious also, and it helps with hormonal balance making daikon soup. Yes. Yes. Um, making daikon soup, a lot of postpartum women it's, it's seaweed soup and daikon radish soup that really helps um with just nourishing the mom the mom mm. but also balances your hormones oh, fantastic. Um, and seaweed soup is also taken on birthdays it's a tradition that just to kind of like it's very cleansing too um and lots of just iron minerals um, in seaweed so take
1: take a lot of seaweed oh that's really all good need the in our lives. <laughs> we definitely we definitely can use a lot more iodine and seaweed that's for sure um oh I'm so I'm really into like the whole seaweed thing at the moment on the weekend I just had a, a sushi class with my, my with my partner we had a sushi chef come to our house he's a Japanese chef oh. and he um taught us Ooh. all about sushi and all this stuff and anyway so we have lots of seaweed in the home right now because <laughs> so we're getting into that whole seaweed thing oh my gosh that's um, awesome I didn't know that about daikon. So I'm so glad that I already buy daikon. In Australia, you can't buy them in the grocery store. So if you're thinking like the mainstream grocery stores, so if you're listening to this yeah. and like, oh, I want to try some daikon, um, I'm not sure about other countries, but here you can't buy it from the store. I can only buy it from the Chinese, It's at say the farmer's market, but the Chinese stalls have it. Yeah, None of the Aussie farmers in their stalls or like if they grow their own food and have their own stall, they don't have daikon, but the Chinese always have it. Um, And it's pretty much year round. I know that um, it's obviously it goes out of season. (laughs) It's not about, it doesn't grow all year round, but most places do have it most of the year, which is good.
0: Totally. Another thing that's really great for anyone who has thyroid issues. Mm cabbage and carrots, steamed cabbage, carrots, and just literally making that into a soup or a porridge smoothie that really helps kind of with anyone with thyroid issues. Um, That's great to know. Yeah. So I, I had a client who had a thyroid problem and uh, you know, just coming from my heritage and my mother is like an amazing, amazing cook. Um, I was just telling her about the client. She was just like, what about just cabbage? Uh, And sometimes you just have to eat very simply, Mm. simply, you know? Um, and so she did this, she literally just had steamed carrots and cabbage and some like fermented pepper paste. Um, that Koreans have with, with, um, their, their veggies and, um, her thyroid went away after 30 days of just eating carrots and
1: cabbage. Wow. <laughs> so. Power is in simplicity. There's so much power in simplicity. Um, totally. I also love Grace house. So much of Asian food and like, if, you know, Indian food is also from the East and I, loving Ayurveda. I'm very fond of Indian um, dishes, but I love how both of these Eastern cultures are all about warm foods. You know, it's not in Eastern culture to be like, oh, having my morning smoothie, you know, (laughs) that's not in the culture. And I love that how supportive the food is in the method of its cooking, not just the ingredients that are in the dish. And I think that's a really important point to point out to people is that it's not always just making sure you have lots of daikon for example chewing on it raw don't actually know how that would taste very well but yeah (laughs) it's the cooking method that goes with it and that a lot of herbs from especially ayurvedic herbs are very much amplified in the cooking method is that similar in korean herbalism cooking
0: we do a lot of steaming Mm -hmm. a lot of fermenting we ferment i i would say over 50 percent of our foods. but also again, the whole yin and yang philosophy, like you don't have to eat all like cooked foods either, but don't go, don't consume all raw either. But Mm -hmm. having that kind of good balance um, of of kind of warming, nourishing foods is the best way um, because you don't want it too hot either. Totally. Um, And in Korea, we don't even have any
1: salad bars. I love that. (laughs) I'll never forget when I went to India for the first time for a two-week Panchakarma cleanse. Um, I'm actually running one in 2023. So if you're listening and you're interested in that and joining me in India, um, it's a 14-day cleanse through a beautiful retreat space. Um, Oh, my gosh. Can I join you? Yes, you can. Um, When is this? So we're planning around May 2023, um, taking a group of eight women um to southern India it's Kerala India little plug for the um for the retreat it's, this is a non-profit retreat for me I just gather the group together and I I kind of host you could say um I also go through the cleansing modality and on it was my first experience you know especially if you think of the western culture of health it's very much like smoothies fruit bowls smoothie bowls having raw juices you know hardcore cleansing in yeah. when i went to india we had all this beautiful food and i did do a 3 day ghee cleanse which is another story altogether but oh wow with this um with this experience i didn't eat one thing cold i had fresh fruit but it was always fresh it was room temperature and i'm someone who always yeah. likes to you know i pull my stuff out of the fridge let it like come to room temperature and then i'll make a smoothie i won't have something straight right. out of the freezer unless it's like a 38 degree day where I live. It's very tropical and humid. And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm dying of heat. Sometimes I do that, but it's quite rare. The warmth of the food. I just, you know, I, I, it took me like 10 days to realize, Oh my God, I haven't had anything cold. I came home and I was like, why do we even eat fridges? <laughs> you know, like, just <laughs> cook every, like we don't need a fridge. Um, yeah. I still have a fridge, but having the warmth is so supportive of digestion. And I know a big, really big pull and difference. What I've noticed in my health experience as being in the health industry is that Indian Ayurvedic medicine is very much led for good digestive gut health. Whereas Mm -hmm. Chinese medicine is really led with good liver health and supporting your liver Mm -hmm. and digestion too. But they really push the liver first is what I've found anyway. Um, And I love that they're two different Eastern cultures, but they're, they're both Eastern. They're both very complementary because very, your liver works very, with your gut and your gut works with your liver. Um, sorry. What would you say it is for Korean medicine or like Korean um, health focus out of the two organs? Or is there another one that Korea is like, this is the, this is the one that we focus on first.
0: Yeah. I mean, we, we tend to follow more of the TCM mm-hmm. method, but then again, we have our own kind of style. So one is kind of similar to Ayurveda, Where you fall into kind of like your constitution, right? Um, In Korean traditional medicine, we have it's called the typology. So you fall into one of the four typologies, um, and it's Soyang Soem, and then Taeyang and Taeyums. And it's all based on your um, physical attributes, your Personality and uh, your environment. So, mm. uh, those three factors are taken into account. And then, whichever um, constitution you are, then you kind of avoid certain foods and c- consume certain
1: foods. Very similar to like the dosha system in Aravena. Yes. Yeah, very mm-hmm. similar, being either very kapha or vata. Um, but yeah. I think it's also good to remember that we're a bit of everything. And to not just go, the West is very much like, I am a Vata and I will just eat Vata foods, but we're ever evolving and changing. So like take everything out of Every
0: season you can be one of the four, right? Mm. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, Oh, this is so good.
0: (laughs) So, and then we also follow the um, kind of the five elements too, whereas sour food is good for your liver and your gallbladder. Bitter food is good for your heart, small intestine. Sweet food is great for your stomach and pancreas. Spicy is good for your lungs and your large intestines. And then salty foods are really good for your kidneys and your bladder. Mm. So, um, if you, I, I just would love to take you to a Korean restaurant because you will see this whole spread. There's all of these mini side dishes, all just herb, herb based. And it's, the, the, the um, kind of cuisine is very colourful. You'll see everything from yellow to green to um, brown. So it's, um, you have all the colours there.
1: Well, I am adding this to, to my list of things to do um, yeah, and sure. places to go. I'm definitely going to actually look for a Korean restaurant in my local area after this. Um, so thank you for the info. I'm so excited. I love, <laughs> I lo- I love all of this. Um, so before we wrap up, because we are almost out of time, Mm -hmm. I would love to hear from you, Grace, you know, for the women who are listening to this and like, oh my God, I've got so much good information and good knowledge. And their core focus is to just have a healthy cycle have a healthy cycle for healthy fertility. I really believe having a fertile cycle is a healthy cycle. Um, Yes. So what are your top three to five Korean herbalism tips, things that they can do or they can use or take or eat um, Mm -hmm. or drink? (laughs) or whatever it might be that can, um, support us on a daily basis for a healthy cycle.
0: For sure. One that comes immediately to mind is burdock root. Burdock is a blood cleanser. It, it's really, um, just really helps with like your blood flow, your circulation. It's very a neutral type of herb. Um, and, and so you can just put three to four little pieces of dried burdock root into a cup of water and make just a nutritious tea out of it. You, uh, Korean, there's dishes, recipes, and I'm happy to share a recipe with your audience um, uh, that you can send to them of a burdock root dish that's so easy Ooh, to make and please. so delicious. Yeah. And you can put that on top of your salad or just eat it with rice and seaweed wraps or whatever, but it's one of my go-to staples that I make. Um, So yeah, burdock root, mugwort, as I mentioned, is another really great um, herb that, uh, I mean, people here in the U.S. consider it as a weed. And whenever I spot it, like, while I'm just kind of like hiking or on the sidewalk, I'm just like, oh my gosh, I'm in a gold mine right now. <laughs> but uh, mugwort is really just great as you can make a compress out of it. So if you're having like stomach, you know, pains, cramps, you can decoct the mug, mugwort in hot water, let it steam, and just put like a, a towel, face towel, or, you know, a hand towel let it soak in the mugwort and, um, kind of just put it over your tummy. And it's Mm. very, very calming. Um, I love taking mugwort baths too. So you can like soak mugwort into your bath. Um, and it's just super soothing, healing. Um, another, I would say dandelion dandelion root is really great. It's not per se Korean, but um, I just love drinking dandelion tea or even barley tea is really nutritious. Um, and again, seaweed, seaweed, anything seaweed, soup related. Um, and hmm, thank you. Oh, hibiscus. So Korea's national flower is the rose of Sharon, hibiscus and we consume a I lot. I didn't know of- that. Yeah, <laughs> like, not many people know. I was
1: like a hibiscus, really? I was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, that's, that's our beautiful. native flower. Well, wow, that's beautiful because yeah, our- we have so many hibiscuses here where I live. I oh my not- gosh,
0: it'll always remind you of Korea. Yes, that's okay, our that- national that's flower.
1: Fantastic.
0: Yeah, so um, just drinking a hibiscus tea with cinnamon is so delicious. Um, and cinnamon has really high antioxidants. And so it's really great um, and nutritious.
1: Um, yeah. So I would re- recommend those. Oh, they're fantastic. Well, I'm going to keep all of this and pop it in the show notes so that everyone can read, like <clears throat> write them all down. And if you're listening to this and haven't been taking notes, you might need to come back and take more notes on all the other beautiful things Grace has shared. But Grace, you've oh, been- another one too. Ooh, yes. Uh,
0: you can make mugwort salve. If if you have the time to make a salve with it and just rub it around your stomach. Oh, um, okay.
1: I like that like a salve. Are people are yeah. like, what's a salve? It's kind of like a um not a cream, but like a body butter, but with made from a tea. So oil it's like based. Tea. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, and then
0: with the hibiscus too, I love making a flower essence from it. Mm. So um Yeah, flower essences are super. I just, I've been really obsessed with flower essences lately. (laughs)
1: It's Um, a good, it's a good, a good obsession. A good obsession.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I, I, yeah, I've been playing around with mixing like my own flower essences, but hibiscus flower essence is very, very calming.
1: Mm. Thank you so much for sharing. Now share with us how Can people like find you? What's the best platform for them to connect with you? What's your website? Let us know, and then I'll wrap yeah. us up with a final question.
0: Yeah, so um, my website is keyalchemy.com Q I alchemy.com. You can follow me on Instagram, TikTok, um, email me at care at keyalchemy.com if you want any kind of herbal consultation. A lot of my, um, customers, they, they love my consultations as well.
1: Mm. Um, and that's it. Yeah. That's fantastic. Well, I'll make sure I put all of those links in our show notes so people can easily connect with you. Now tell us, I have a final podcast question for you, Grace. So we're changing gears a little bit and I want you to think back to your younger menstruating self. So when you got your first period, Mm -hmm. Ah, what are three things that the younger version of grace would love to know that you now know today?
0: Oh man, that is a great question. I would say. Celebrating. I was so embarrassed and shy and I, I just didn't know what to do when I saw the bloody spots (laughs) Um, and I was at my friend's house and I was like, Oh my gosh, I feel, I felt like shy and really embarrassed, but um, just having the conversations with like your parents early on and like, I wish that my mother would have told me earlier on during my childhood, like this may happen. And we should have a party and celebrate because it's um, an introduction to your womanhood. And mm. so, yeah, I I think that that would be something that I wished I, I did celebrated it more for um,
1: that female power. Mm, so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing. Was there anything else you wanted to add to that? And I feel like. Um, red, the color of
0: red is, you know, symbolizes love, right? Mm. And lust and all the sensual things. So um, just remembering that color and just how we as women, we have a lot of influence and power of how we connect with uh, the opposite sex or, you know, the same sex and that that color red is just so um, just loving and powerful and amazing.
1: Mm, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. <laughs> so beautiful. It's very potent. It's a very potent color.
0: Very potent. And,
1: yeah. yeah. Very potent and it means lots of different things in different cultures and it's always still potent.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah.
1: That's so beautiful, Grace. Thank you so much for being here, sharing all of your beautiful Korean herbalism wisdom. Um, very much appreciate. You've had some beautiful stories and your poem was great too. So thank you for, for being here and taking the time to share all of your wisdom with us. Thanks so much, Jama. Thank you so much for tuning in to every episode of the Well Woman podcast. For everything we mentioned in today's episode, you can find this in the show notes over at wellsome.com forward slash podcast. If this episode excited you, please hit follow on Spotify, which means all of my episodes will pop up in your feed weekly, so you never miss a weekly drop. I'd love you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts too. Love this episode? Come and follow me over on Instagram at Wellsom underscore Gemily. Say hi and share what you've taken away from this episode with me. Now, is there a bestie, sister or a friend who you know who might be fed up, frustrated and confused with their cycles? Are they ready to join you in awakening their cyclical essence too? Well, take a screenshot of this podcast episode, share it on your socials, email it, text it or any way you need to get it to them. So together we can all live in flow, harmony and balance with our cycles. Now until next time, beautiful, get connected, listen to your body and remember body confidence all begins with living in tune with your menstrual cycle.